Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy right. making our free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, my name's Mara. This episode of the Radioactive Show was recorded and produced on the unceded land of the Boonwurrung people for 3CR Melbourne. It's been nine years since the disaster at Fukushima occurred and the situation is not yet under control. The storage capacity at the Fukushima nuclear power plant is reaching its limit and a Japanese government committee has come out with a report stating that the most realistic option is to release treated water into the ocean. As of October 2019, about 1.16 million cubic metres of contaminated water was stored in 960 tanks. The total amount of tritium was estimated at 856 trillion becquerels. Approximately 80% of the water stored in the tanks exceeded regulatory standards to be discharged. On December 23, 2019, the Subcommittee on Handling of ALPS Treated Water, established by Japan's Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry, to discuss how to deal with the ever-growing volume of water from the so-called Advanced Liquid Processing System, released a draft report offering three proposals to deal with treated contaminated water from the damaged TEPCO Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. The draft report proposes discharges to sea, vapour release and a combination of the two. All three options would spread radioactive substances into the environment. Astonishingly, the draft report ignores alternatives for long-term storage on land, including large tank storage and mortar solidification. On this week's Radioactive Show, we hear from Philip White, a Friends of the Earth member who lived in Japan for many years and has been involved in the campaign to deal with the ongoing disaster at Fukushima. Let's hear from Philip now. My name's Philip White. Um, I have been a member of Friends of the Earth for many years, but uh, I lived in Japan for, uh, well, about 16 years and um, quite a bit of that. I was working as the International Liaison Officer for the Citizens Nuclear Information Centre, CNIC we called ourselves, and CNIC was one of the leading um, anti-nuclear NGOs in Japan. And I was there at the time of the Fukushima accident and was active in helping my organisation and the anti-nuclear movement send out messages to the world in English. Oh, and that must have been very intense. It was extremely intense. I've never had less sleep for longer at a time in my life. Oh, my goodness. Could you give me an update on the current situation at Fukushima? Yeah, well, um, issues particularly that they're dealing with is how to uh, decommission the reactors and also how to deal with the accumulating um, radioactive water and the radioactive water comes from partly they continuing to try to cool the um, radioactive um, spent fuel, um, which basically much of it melted, you see, and but they still have to cool it because if the, if they, they don't, it'll sort of start a new reaction, and you'll have uh, more and more. Uh, radioactive material released into the environment but they're cooling it with water and of course as they pump this water into the remains of the reactors 
um, that then becomes contaminated and they've accumulated many, many, many thousands of uh, cubic metres of this stuff and it's all being stored in large tanks around the uh, nuclear power plant. And so they, the issue that they're particularly facing at the moment is what are they going to do with that? Because they think, they as in Tokyo Electric Power Company and the government, uh, take the view that they're running out of space to put these tanks. Um, so that's one issue. Um, the uh, decommissioning of the reactors, I mean, they've basically been cleaning up debris and that, but this uh, spent fuel that has melted, they don't even necessarily have a clear handle on where it is. And how to actually remove that is a problem that they're not even near to solving. So that's going to be an issue that's going to continue f for decades. And properly fully decommissioning the, the reactors and the site um, can't really be done until, can't be completed until they've worked out how to remove this um, molten spent fuel and somehow or other put it in a safe place. So that's as far as the nuclear power plant itself is concerned. Um, as far as the people who were affected, the people living around that area, um, so there were, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there were tens of thousands of evacuees, um, possibly a hundred, over 100,000, I think, evacuees. And some of those have returned, but most of them haven't. And uh, they have sort of gradually had the uh, support mechanisms that they that were in place for a while have gradually had them wound back and and removed. So although those people, some of them have rebuilt their lives, some of them have moved out permanently from Fukushima Prefecture, but some of them haven't really managed to find alternative uh, long-term accommodation or or employment. So that's the general uh, general overview of some of the issues that are faced and will be faced for many years to come. Thanks for the, that background, Philip. Um, so the Japan's Ministry for Eco Economy, Trade and Energy has a proposal for dealing with that radioactive water. Um, can you explain that proposal a little bit, please? Yeah, well, so... METI, as they call them, Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry, um, have been uh, investigating various options um, and they finally come down to two options which they think are viable. Um, one of them is to release that water to the ocean over a period of time and another is to evaporate it and release it into the atmosphere. Now, the water itself is contaminated, um, so they've actually been through a decontamination facility. called They call it ALPS. It's sort of advanced liquid something or other. I can't remember the exact uh, what it's an acronym for, but this ALPS facility um, is supposed to have removed all the radioactive material. However, it can't remove tritium. Now, tritium is basically a form of hydrogen, but it's hydrogen with a couple of extra neutrons and it's radioactive. But the other, as it turns out, and they didn't really draw attention to this, but it gradually emerged that this ALPS facility didn't remove all the other radioactive materials. And you have, you know, a whole concoction of radioactive isotopes that are still, still there. For example, strontium-90 or iodine-129 and many others. And uh, 
they are still in there. And in many of these tanks, the concentration of those radionuclides is above the level that would be permitted for release to sea. So they reckon they're going to put it through this Alps facility again and get rid of all those radionuclides. But from their past uh, performance and their unwillingness to draw attention to these, this problem in the first place makes you wonder whether how successful it would be. And they say tritium is basically benign, but there are scientific disputes about how safe or how dangerous it is. And because it's same, basically the same as hydrogen, it becomes part of the cells of our body if we, if we drink it or if we uh, absorb it in some way. So um, tritium is potentially dangerous as well. By releasing it to sea is their preferred option. They've given these two options, but preferred option is release to sea. They think they'll do it over a few decades, so it'll be small enough quantities and dilute enough so that it won't cause problems. That's their argument. However, the people of Fukushima and particularly the primary industry people, are concerned not just for the direct danger um, that this uh, might cause to the fishing industry, to, to, the, to, to the fish or to uh, the forest or whatever. It's um, actually the reputational damage that they'll get, which also concerns them greatly. And so even if it turned out that it was benign, um, there would be these fears of people who might otherwise purchase their produce. And so, and they've had this experience already of um, beyond the sort of direct impact of the radio, of the contamination, there's also this reputational damage which has affected their ability to make a living. So there's those um, risks on fishing industry and agriculture. What about environmental risks of either the releasing into the ocean or evaporation ideas? There are various views about that, but um, if they dilute it enough and they evaporate and they release it over a long enough period of time, perhaps the impact on human beings might be quite limited. Um, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to impact some of the fish and uh, but we, we basically don't know. And so this is, it's a risk that they'll be taking. And I think the, the main thing to, to bear in mind about this is it would actually be arguably illegal under international law, the, the London, London Agreement, London Treaty or whatever, which um, was supposed to prohibit release of radioactive material into the sea um, is arguably applicable in this case. But it, you've got to see the motivation for them doing it. The motivation really is not necessarily to find the best environmental solution. The motivation is rather to give the impression that the problem has gone away. And if you can release the water out to sea, then as far as Tokyo Electric Power Company is concerned and as far as the government is concerned, the problem has gone away. So it's just um, about that inside out of mind as opposed to the best yeah. way to deal with this toxic waste. Yeah, and so other proposals have been made and particularly there is a, an organisation which is made up of scientists and engineers, including nuclear scientists and engineers who've worked in the nuclear industry in Japan, but who've become nuclear critics over the years. And uh, it's called the Citizens uh, Commission on Nuclear Energy. 
they were set up after the um, af- after the Fukushima nuclear accident, and they've become a bit of a, a clearinghouse for ideas on how to deal with the situation and also on how to un- to understand what actually happened to cause the accident in the first place. And they proposed uh, a couple of alternatives. One is um, to store the water for a hundred odd years in um, much larger tanks, for example, the sort of tanks that are used to store the bunkers that they use to store oil. And so that's one thing. And these massive tanks would store a hundred times more than any of the tanks that they've got there at the moment. So they'd be able to use space more economically, store it for longer, and eventually the radioactivity would decrease over time. The radioactive half-life of tritium, I think, is about 12 years. So in about 120 years, that's 10 half-lives. And, you know, it's probably reduced enough to, to make it safer. Another alternative that they proposed more recently is to mix it with cement and sand and turn it into mortar. Um, you're familiar with the mortar that uh, they st- use to stick bricks together? Well, if you turn it into mortar, you'll be able to store it as a solid, store it on land and dispose of it presumably by burial later on. But that method has been used in, for example, the United States Savannah River Nuclear Research Facility. And so it's got precedent. Um, But they they think both of these methods have the advantage of being able to monitor what's going on with with this uh, wastewater and to not put it out of sight and out of mind and give it time to de- for, the, for the radioactivity to decay much more than it has so far. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're speaking with Philip White, who's been involved in the campaign to better manage the Fukushima disaster since it occurred. Hmm. So the large tank storage and also the mortar solidification concept seem far more sensible. Why are those alternative solutions being, it seems, ignored by TEPCO and the Japanese government? Well, I can only surmise what they're thinking, but uh, one is the uh, the fact that it might cost more. It would probably cost more than uh, releasing it to sea, but uh, it wouldn't necessarily cost more than some of the other things they've got in place. For example, the, this nuclear accident site has... Uh, groundwater seeping through it and this actually this groundwater as it seeps through picks up this radioactivity and contributes to this accumulated waste water which they've had to store and the way they chose to keep this groundwater out of the site was to freeze the earth they create a, a wall of frozen earth all the way around the nuclear power plant. And this costs a massive amount of money and estimates by the Citizens Commission on Nuclear Energy is that storing the wastewater in these massive bunkers or t- tanks um, would probably cost a similar amount of money to that. So they've been willing to invest money to that sort of magnitude in some areas, but they're not so willing to spend money on this one. The other thing is, of course, as I said, it, it means that the problem remains in view and they don't want to give the impression that the accident's continuing to cause problems. They want to move on. And particularly this um, became very obvious 
in the lead up to the decision to have the 2020 Olympics in Japan. At that, of course, that 2020 Olympics has now been postponed because of the COVID-19 crisis. But in the negotiations for that, the Prime Minister of the time, still Prime Minister, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, he... um, he said that the problems of Fukushima nuclear power plant are under control. He made that statement in order to reassure people in the Olympic Committee who are making the decision about the 2020 Olympics. And so this has been the the general approach of the Japanese government, is to give the impression that the situation's under control, whereas with all this accumulating wastewater or the... um, melted nuclear fuel that they still can't find and they haven't been able to make much progress on decommissioning the reactors. It all is um, a reminder of the ongoing nature of the disaster. Mm, And it's been years now. It's terrible. Do you have any sense of what the people in Japan think of what the government and TEPCO are doing about this? Well, Opinion polls clearly show that uh, the people of Fukushima are dead against releasing um, the water to sea or to the atmosphere, for that matter. Um, And the only reason why it hasn't already happened, the only reason why they didn't release it without even offering the option of um, of, of going through that ALPS decontamination facility a second time. I mean, they were planning to release it as is, um, but it was the opposition of particularly the fishing industry, but the Fukushima government at the time as well, and the local municipalities and um, the the public in general. So it was that opposition that has prevented them from releasing considerably contaminated water before now. But they are now really pushing much harder. They really want to make this, get this thing underway before the Olympics start. They have uh, started some consultations. They they will resume consultations with industry and municipal governments. Um, But they're not really, well, the um, COVID-19 situation actually has made it easier for them because it means that they're able to exclude the general public from these negotiations. And, the only way that the public can contribute is through um, written submissions, but they're not uh, holding public meetings at this stage. Mm, so people have less chance to have their say. Um, yeah. What would you suggest would be a better way forward? Well, I mean, I would support the uh, suggestions of the Citizens Commission on Nuclear Energy, but the main thing is for them to actually review those options seriously. They haven't seriously looked at them. Tokyo Electric Power Company um, found a few deficiencies in the original proposal, but these deficiencies that they identified were all apparently um, solvable. But because they don't want to solve them, they just um, listed a few few, few, few problems and, uh, and that was it. Mm. And in the end, the Tokyo Electric Power Company's proposal is the one that they're going to go for. That's terrible. Where can people get more information and is there anything that they can do to support? There is actually a petition going around, but Friends of the Earth Japan has initiated this petition. Oh, excellent. So we'll encourage people to sign that petition if we get... It is an international issue because releasing radioactivity into the ocean or the atmosphere could have 
potential global consequences. So it is important that people globally do have a say. Well, that's right. And, and um, it's also this general sense of end of pipe solutions. You just, uh, you just, um, and the problems accumulate. I mean, as we see with plastic, for example, you know, one little bit of plastic that you put in your rubbish bin or that you didn't put in the rubbish bin and you just threw on the side of the road doesn't seem like much, but it accumulates. And of course, there are all the nuclear power plants in the world are releasing some sort of radioactivity into the water. And, mm. and then there's nuclear fuel cycle facilities that are releasing more. And now here's another one. And it's, you've got to see it from that accumulative perspective. You sound far more sensible than the Japanese government or the Tokyo Electric Power Company there, Philip. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't covered already? If people could bear in mind that uh, although nine years has passed since this accident occurred, it's... Um, it is an ongoing problem, and even though you don't necessarily get much news about it these days, that doesn't mean the problem has been solved or that it's gone away. And, of course, there are also uh, people in Australia who uh, seem to think that w we ought to build nuclear power plants in Australia. Well, I think if they realise the dangers of nuclear power as evidenced by the Chernobyl nuclear disaster and now the Fukushima nuclear disaster, then they'll realise that those proposals for nuclear power in Australia aren't good ideas at all. Well, that seems logical to me, but it doesn't seem to to some of the powers in the government, unfortunately. Well, actually, the government, the government in Australia has, uh, has not really shown much interest in nuclear power in recent times, but there are a few um, loose cannon politicians there who who seem to think it's a good idea, but they don't seem to have the uh, support of the majority, even in the Liberal Party. So as long as that's keep it that way. Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much for your time and insights and all that background today. Philip, we really do appreciate your time. No worries. Anytime. And if there's any updates, we'll, um, we'll get you back on the show and find out what's happening next. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. See you later, Mara. Thanks so much to Philip White for explaining the issues surrounding the management of the contaminated water at Fukushima. The idea of releasing the water into the ocean or atmosphere is absurd. Toyoshi Fukuta, chairman of the Nuclear Regulation Authority in Japan, has repeatedly stated that dilution and ocean release is the only realistic option. Friends of the Earth Japan states that media has broadly reported a statement made at a press conference by Japan's former Environment Minister Yoshiaki Harada that discharge to the sea is the only option. But although realistic proposals have been made for land-based storage, the authorities have not given them fair consideration, and mainstream media in Japan have not reported on those other proposals. Friends of the Earth Japan maintain that officials should take another look at land-based storage. Please support them by signing a petition. There's one on change.org. It's called Please Do Not Throw the Water Generated by the Fukushima Nuclear Disaster into the Sea. That's a bit of a mouthful, so we'll post a link to the petition and some great information from Friends of the Earth Japan on our website and Facebook page. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. The Radioactive Show was produced for 3CR Melbourne on the lands of the Boonarung people with the support of Friends of the Earth's Anti-Nuclear and Clean Energy Collective. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. 
The music from today's show is a track called Under Radioactive Water by Miro Miro. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues.